Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 251 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Tomeo, and this is the podcast by Travel Boom, and it is actually the first one that we're recording in 2024, which is straight up the future by anybody who you ask. And today we've got a big episode. We're going to be talking about the grave dangers of hidden fees and why your property should really be thinking twice about implementing hidden fees or how you're using hidden fees. And the cool thing is, is we surveyed several hundred people who had traveled recently in the past six months and got their input. So what we're talking about today is not really our opinion. What we're going to be talking about is your guest opinion. But before we do that, I think it only makes sense to go ahead and get this show started. There we go. Now we're back. Jeremy, how are you doing today, buddy? Howdy. I'm good. Welcome to 2024. Right. So it's been a, it's already been a crazy year. So the time we're recording this is already January 18th. And I feel like we've tried to record this episode probably like for three weeks in a row. The first plan was, I think it was like on January 5th, we were going to record, but there was COVID, there was flus, there was vacations, there was just everything that was going against us. So we're hoping we can turn that ship around since it's still only January and get a whole bunch of episodes put together for you guys in the coming year. Uh, but Jeremy, anything big and exciting happening for you in, in 24? Do you have a, any crazy New Year's resolutions or is it just trying to keep on keeping on? I just try to keep things you know, from not getting too crazy or out of hand. I don't set a lot of resolutions. I just kind of, I, I set a resolution as I see fit. Not as the year changes, yeah. you know. That's not a bad way of doing it because I, I, I don't remember what the stat is, but it's like a vast, vast majority of people who create New Year's resolutions immediately break them within like the first month of the year. So yeah, you, odds are, you know, if, if you have a resolution, you better make sure you try to keep it going. Cause it's like that whenever the that. Uh, that meme or whatever, when you <clears throat> you go to the gym at the in the first couple weeks of of January and it's packed and then February hits and nobody's there anymore. So yeah. so I, I really need to join a gym because I'm uh, working on getting ready for a, a race, but I will I refuse to do so in January because then I'll be labeled as one of those January <laughs> resolution guys. <laughs> so, so instead I'm stuck in my garage uh, lifting dumbbells because that's all I have. But uh, yeah, so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year. I try not to set too many resolutions. I will always set a a goal and something new to learn for the year. So you know that is not typically necessarily work related, but uh, you know I always try to pick one thing I don't know and spend the year learning about that to get up to speed. So that's a good way yeah, to I look at a, it. I've got a couple. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like if you learn one new thing every year, after a couple years. You learn. You have a big library of just general knowledge about you know fun things. Yeah. So yeah, I've done everything from uh, I learned how to do beekeeping. I did uh, beer and mead making one year. Uh, I remember the picking, bees. Yeah. Just like random kind of fun stuff that you say can pull out at a party and say, oh, I can I can break into that lock. 
But yeah, so I know that these people aren't here to talk about New Year's resolutions. But uh, if you want, make a New Year's resolution and write down on a sticky note and put it on your mirror. That way you see it every morning and can remind yourself to not be a slacker. Before we get started, if you want the show notes to this, go ahead and go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and click on episode 251. That's going to have a link to some pretty good news articles that we're going to cover. It's going to have a link to a infographic that we've put together based on our customer research, as well as an article that's actually about the danger of hidden fees. So we're going to dive into the big topic first. But before we do that, we have something even more exciting, and that is the news. All right, Jeremy, you are our newscaster today. What's going on? Yeah, so the New York Times is suing OpenAI and Microsoft for copyright copyright infringement. Um, apparently, or the lawsuit claims that OpenAI copied millions of New York Times articles to train the language models that power both ChatGPT and Microsoft's Copilot. It's crazy. Uh I mean, I think this is one of the things that's going to be, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger is, so, so here's a question for you. So if, if chat GPT in the case that the main person that they're suing used New York times content, is that copyright infringement? If it uses that data to create its own AI generated content, I think that's really the kind of what the crux of the lawsuit is. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like it was only a matter of time and I'm sure we all felt the same way. It was only a matter of time before, you know, one of these big publishers or content creators was going to, you know, have to, or try to put a foot down to, you know, what these new AI uh, search models are doing. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that's pretty interesting is New York times is very much a paywall site. This article actually was on the New York times, but I linked to the verb, Verge version of it because I couldn't read it because it was on New York Times. Uh, so what they're saying is it's not that the content was really available. It's that one, it's behind a paywall. And two, it goes against the terms of service that they have for the people who are members of the New York Times, which would have been, I guess, necessary in some cases to scrape that content. But I don't know. So we're going to kind of see what the, what the courts come out with, but it does raise a really interesting question is if AI cannot scrape content on the web, how does it learn what it needs to learn to create the, you know, AI generated content? I don't know that it really can, uh, nor does open AI have the budget to handle a big lawsuit from, from New York times. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is that the New York times has already blocked open AI's web claw web crawler. Um, using their own robots, their robots file on their website. So they're essentially blocking what OpenAI can see on their website. But I guess it's hasn't really gone the way that New York Times would want it to go. Well, I think a lot of it also is the fact that the data that they were scraped. So if you're using just a free version of ChatGPT, it's not live. It's not real time. So they scraped that content years ago. Yeah, that's right. To what uh, it's currently being used in an algorithm. So. Yeah. yeah, I think this is an interesting one. We'll kind of have to see where it goes. But the ripples of this, if New York Times were to win, 
would be catastrophic for someone like an open AI uh, bard or whomever, because that is really the crux of what that entire language model is based on is web-based content. So we shall see for sure. But this is a good, good news article for sure. All right. Uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and switch it up. Now we're going to dive into the main topic. Uh, again, if you want to follow along with show notes, it's travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, and then click on episode 251 for all the information. But what we're going to be talking about is hidden fees. So this is a major topic in the hospitality industry and really our country in general. Uh, we know that VRBO and Airbnb have already come under heavy, heavy fire for not showing transparent pricing early in the process. I think we've all been in those cases, situations where you're looking for a, something on Verbo or Airbnb and it's a $150 a night condo, let's say. Well, when you actually get to the checkout page, it is the $150 a night plus a service fee, plus a cleaning fee, plus this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden that $150 a night rate in actuality becomes a $300 a night rate. So that's kind of spurred Congress to jump in with what is called the Junk Fee Protection, uh, Prevention Act back in uh, early 2023. Uh, but then also yet people like Hyatt, who's recently been served a suit regarding their resort fees for properties that really didn't have many resort type amenities. Putting all that together and kind of seeing the data that we're getting from, from some of our properties and guests, it led us to survey 300 travelers who have taken a leisure travel vacation in the past six months. And basically what we did is say, hey, tell us about the hidden fees that you encountered. Tell us what's acceptable. Tell us what's not acceptable. And from that, we have a lot of data that we put out in a, an article, but also a infographic that you can download for free. There's no sign-up required or anything. There's actually a link in the, in the show notes for the PDF. And that's what open all the data up to you. So Download that, use it as you will. But what we're going to be talking about today is really what it is and what you can do to help make sure that you are not alienating your guests with these crazy hidden fees. So I guess really the big question now is what is what is a hidden fee? Let's start from the very beginning. Yeah, so a hidden fee, which is now referred to as uh, partitioned pricing, um, is any required cost that is not apparent um, until the checkout process. Um, however, that's this does not include taxes. Um, an optional add-on stay enhancements or something like optional travel insurance. Um, and you know hidden fees that guests find most frustrating um, would be something like an online booking fee if they're booking through a website, um, Wi-Fi fees um, and parking fees, um, which I definitely you know I, I could definitely see that how that would definitely absolutely be frustrating. Yeah, we've run into it a lot. And, you know, basically, if you look at our past surveys for, you know, either our leisure travel trend study from July of last year, or even going farther back to other studies, and we asked those travelers, what do they expect? Well, if they're booking online, they do not expect to have to pay, I'm doing air quotes, a convenience fee for that process. Uh, they expect Wi-Fi to be free. They don't expect it to be an add-on charge. Uh, and in some cases, they expect parking fees. Some cases, they don't. But uh, what we're going to be talking about is the different types of fees. But understand that a hidden fee really is anything that shows up 
after you've selected your room and you are forced to pay taxes right. aside. Yeah. And I, and I, I, obviously this is about hidden fees, you know, obviously a Wi-Fi fee, we wouldn't expect to have to pay a Wi-Fi fee, but I mean, if you're hid, hiding it and you're actually making someone pay for it and not being upfront about it, you know, that's a completely different story. You know, and obviously, you know, part, something like parking fees, sometimes, you know, if you're in a larger city and there's not a lot of parking around and then sometimes it's just unavoidable. Um, but you no, know, the whole, the whole point of this is hidden. You know, it's something that you're pushing, you know, right at checkout instead of being upfront about it. Exactly. And I think one of the, the pieces of data that we got and kind of just to kind of lead with the, the big story is 75% of the respondents who we surveyed said they were more likely to choose a hotel that has transparent pricing up front. So everything we're talking about today is really focused on that. It's like, hey, you may think you're doing a great thing by sneaking in a few extra charges here, but the reality is, is you actually may not. And it, this is definitely one of those ABT type situations. So from there, we kind of want to say, okay, well, how did this happen to start with? Why do we even have these hidden fees? And I think the competitive landscape has really driven the need for hidden fees. Uh, kind of what I mean by that is we know that guests don't want, if, if you ask a guest, what's the ideal amount of hidden fees or whatever you want to call it, partition pricing is the new PC type term for it, but they expect zero hidden fees. But the reality is it's on the rise across the board. And the reason I think of that is, is a couple of different things. One is there's really no clear way to compare multiple property prices. If you look at one property and they may have free Wi-Fi and free breakfast, how do you show that in a meta search campaign or PPC ad or any way to make sure that people really are differentiating the fact that the $150 room night at you know Pete's Palace is different than the $150 room night at Jeremy's Jalopy? I don't know. Uh, I don't know the good <laughs> name for your your hotel, Jeremy. What do you want your hotel to be called? Jeremy's Crown Plaza. Well, well, I, I don't I use Crown Plaza. Uh, you might get. I guess that yeah, one. I probably won't be able to use that. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll workshop it. <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. We'll have another survey coming out for Jeremy's hotels. But uh, but yeah, so it, it's kind of hard for comparing prop prices. The second one is, and we try not to beat up on the OTAs too much because they are a great partner in terms of driving new business. But the OTAs present oftentimes a room rate without any fees. So if you're looking for, again, at a, you know, Jeremy's, you know, overnight emporium, whatever you want your name to be, and you are $150 a night and it in, does not in, include, say, taxes and fees, and then the OTA has that same rate and it's $125, well, then you have, you're out of parity and it's a, a, obviously a struggle. So that leads to, trans, uh, to some hidden fees on Jeremy's side. When you try to win at the price game against your competitors deceptively. Things like those online booking fees, that's where it's really egregious that is causing this problem. Uh, and then I think there's two other things. One is properties trying to recoup the high cost of the amenities. Those resort fees, oddly enough, were not one of the main fees that made travelers upset. But we understand that there has to be some level of resort fees many times if you have water parks and lazy rivers and all these great amenities, somebody has to pay for that. It's either going to be in the room rate or it's going to be in a 
hidden fee, resort fee type situation. Uh, and then I think the last thing that is really causing these hidden fees is more on the accounting side. And I've seen this with a few properties where if it's if, a, if it's a condominiumized, well, that's the hardest word I've said this year. If it's a condominiumized property where you have homeowners, if you have a room rate, that a portion of that whole room rate is going to have to go to the homeowner. Well, if part of your operational expenses is that amazing water park, it makes a lot of sense for that property manager to say, the room rate is X, but if you want to use the amenities, it is going to be this additional amount on top of it. It seems like a little bit of a shell game, but from an accounting perspective, you know, it allows the property to more equitably distribute the true revenue from the rooms as opposed to the revenue from resort fees and whatnot, which may go all to the, the management company. So that's kind of where I think the hidden fees have came up from. Good or bad, I think they're here. But the question is kind of what what do we do about it and what do travelers expect from from that hotel rate? And Jeremy, I think that's where you kind of have some information as well. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, travelers, um, they appear to be very accommodating of fees um, for what they perceive as value beyond the stay. Um, the frustration comes when the fees are for what hotel guests see as part of doing business. Um, so most travelers are, or from the uh, study, most travelers were accepting of a small number of hidden fees, uh, 5% or less of the room total, and surprisingly somewhat accommodating resort fees when the real value is delivered. Yeah, that's kind of what we were, we saw from, from the data. Uh, what, what I thought was really interesting is in that is, yeah, it said 60, about 63% of travelers say, okay, 5% or less of the overall bill. I can understand that. It's, you know, not insurmountable. However, 63% said I was willing to pay that amount. When that number goes up to 10%, only 30% of the respondents said, I'll pay that amount of money, which means you having a 10% hidden fees could result in losing up to 70% of the theoretical bookings that you could be making at your property. That alone says you really have to be careful about using hidden fees. They it's definitely a two-edged sword by any stretch of the word. And I think once you start doing that, start looking at the, how it impacts guest behavior. So we have a couple of really cool stats that the data showed to us. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, obviously it looks like you're going to be increasing rev par and overall profitability with these fees. But what we found is one, 31.5% of travelers. And this is based again 300 leisure travelers who've traveled in the past six months. So this is fresh data. 31.5% of travelers will abandon the booking process when a hidden fee is discovered. Of that 31%, this is how we got to that number. 12% will change their hotel choice when they see a hidden fee. So immediately you're losing 12% of your guests when they get to that pre-checkout page that has whatever fee that might be. And then from there, 19.5% will actively avoid hotels where they've found a hidden fee in the past. That one is a scary one because let's say you are, you know, Jeremy's overnight emporium and you get to the property, you plan on doing a booking, you love it, you love the location, you love the amenities and everything. Once you see there's a hidden fee, not only do you leave, but almost 20% of the people will never come back, which to me, that's craziness, right? 
you know, and then I think one of the other stats that really kind of from impact to guest behavior is 52% of the travelers noted that a hidden fee would have a strong impact on their hotel review. I mean, we talked about this in the previous leisure travel trend study is your reviews are critical. People look at reviews throughout the entire process. Uh, A vast majority, you know, 80 plus percent will not make a booking without reading reviews. And if you're setting up your current guest where 52% of your current guests have a bad taste in their mouth, that's going to impact the review. It raises the question, what is the true cost of a hidden fee to your property? What is the cost outside of the, the revenue that you get for it? Which is to me a little bit crazy. Yeah. And um, I would say too that, you know, if obviously the hidden fees are obviously going to you know, drive up the cost of the stay and, you know, like we said, you know, if they're getting value out of that, I mean, if they, if they think, if the guest feels like they're getting value out of the fees that they're having to pay, then, you know, that review may not, I mean, the review may be okay. I mean, you may not receive any negative impact um, on a review, but if they don't feel like those fees at least are, you know, <clears throat> beneficial to them. And like we said, they're, they're just part of doing business as the hotel. Then yeah, I mean, those reviews are, that's, I think, I feel like is where that um, impact is going to be very negative in terms of the review space. Very much so. Uh, and and the, the exact number, I just looked it up from the the Leisure Travel Trend study, is 81% of travelers will not book without reading a review first. So it definitely suggests you have to be a little bit careful on that one. Yeah, really, and beyond that, you know, what we see is, the one of the questions we asked is, do hidden fees impact the loyalty to a hotel chain? Uh, and what we found is 78.8% travelers are less loyal to your brand if you have hidden, hidden fees, which kind of goes back to the earlier number that we said as well, but su- suggests that there is definitely a high cost. Uh, and then I kind of want to really circle back. Uh, this is not on the infographic that we, we produced, but it is in the article attached. When we looked at the kinds of hidden fees, the one that was, I mean, to, to be frank, it pissed off the most people was the online booking fee. 75% of the respondents thought that was completely unacceptable. Uh, to me, that drives me nuts. That's similar to like uh, when I have to buy a really anything online from like say, it's a, you know, renewing my tax, paying my taxes or something. And they have that X number or X dollar convenience fee. And there's no other way to book that prop that or to purchase that item or book the hotel. We know people, hotels want people to book online because it's efficient, but passing on that fee is an absolute no-no. If anything, if you are charging an online booking fee, you need to stop that immediately. Roll roll it into your resort fee or do something else, eat the cost, but man, do not do that. Wi-Fi fees, 74% said, no, 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 don't do that. And then the last one was 73% really do oppose parking fees. But Jeremy, like you pointed out, just because you have a parking fee doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It really depends on your property. If you're a roadside hotel, you cannot charge a parking fee. It's a really bad idea. If you are a hotel in downtown you know, Manhattan or a city, people are a lot more accepting of, of those hidden fee, of that of, of a parking fee because that's that's city life, right? Right. And it's all about being upfront. Like this whole discussion is about 
being upfront with the fees that you're that you're um, having guests or need guests to pay. And it's, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, you know, obviously Wi-Fi has to be paid and, you know, Wi-Fi seems so much like a, as a, you know, doing business type of payment now. I mean, it doesn't really, it, it's obviously an amenity, you know, if you're traveling to a hotel and having free Wi and having Wi-Fi is great, but, you know, having to pay a fee like that, it just feels, you know, it, it even it, obviously if it's hidden, it's not great. And even having to pay a Wi-Fi fee is not the best. You know, I feel like it's just become such a natural or it's just become part of, you know, the hotel stay experience. Yeah. You're not making people charge for soap or shampoo or TV service for you to charge them for Wi-Fi in 2024 is kind of out of control. So so we didn't want to kind of do anything without actually talking about some of the solutions. And honestly, the, the, the solution is transparent pricing. It's something that I think our industry needs to get to and do a better job of. And Jeremy, there's a lot of cool stats here that we can kind of throw out that I think lead to the point where transparent pricing is the way to go. Yeah. So some considerations for, you know, improving your transparency in hotel pricing or your rate pricing. Um, you know, the OTAs and vacation rental sites are moving more more so to transparent pricing, which will help hoteliers better compete um, on a transparent pricing playing field. And that and what that really is going to have an impact on is in the meta search space and making sure that your rates are in parity or if in parity at least, if not better than the rates that are being shown on the meta search sites and OTAs or other OTA sites. It does seem like hotels now, even more so than say two years ago, have better control over their rate that they're sharing with you know, anybody in their distribution system. I think there's there's a lot more granularity, which is a really good thing for trying to get our way to you know transparent pricing. But uh so, here, so here's a couple stats for you, Jeremy. 92% of respondents are more willing to accept additional charges when they're shown up front. So if you're honest with your guest on the outset, they're more likely to pay more knowing that that is what they're actually going to be paying in total. That doesn't really help a lot if the OTAs are undercutting you or it makes you appear out of uh, the realm of your, your market. You know, if you're not you know, competitive with others in the area, that could be a problem. But the good thing is, is customers seem to realize that and they're willing to pay if you can get past that initial barrier. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of, you know, if you go out to eat and sometimes there's obviously there's going to be a, a card fee um, if you're mm -hmm. going to use a credit card <clears throat> and you, obviously you have the choice of choosing between cash or a credit card. But I mean, if, if you're going to state it up front, then I'm obviously going to feel a little bit better about paying for your services if you're going to be upfront about it. And instead of receiving the check and seeing that there was a, a percentage fee tacked on for using a credit card to pay. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and you know, another stat to kind of look at too is 77% of the travelers viewed a property more favorably when they saw the rate early. Again, it's all about reviews. It's all about making sure that you can get your guests to share their experiences with future guests. And I think a good way of doing that is to be honest. Because let's face it, if you're not honest when their guy is booking their stay, does that guest really feel, feel like you're going to be honest about the room conditions? 
about the amenities, about the experience at the property. I mean, they're going in on guard thinking that you've got that used car man, car salesman type process, and that's not going to be conducive to a really amazing stay. Yeah. And you're, you're the last, uh, the last piece of data that we have here is that 49% of travelers noted they are more likely to choose a hotel with transparent pricing versus one with hidden pricing. Um, and that's assuming that the total stay cost was the same. Yeah. I mean, to me, to me, that's a big one as well. Uh, you know, if, if you can break down those barriers and if your competitor has a similar room rate with a bunch of hidden fees and you just have very transparent pricing, the data suggests that you would do very well. Now, we always say ABT, always be testing. And I think you have to be really careful as you're testing this to make sure that when you're staying competitive with your, your market, you're making sure that you have your meta search and your OTAs and all your rate parities set up properly so that you don't accidentally make it appear that booking direct is more expensive. That That is, you know, first and foremost, a big, big concern when you're doing these. Uh, and then I'll say, you know, research, research and testing are super, super important because, you know, pricing is one of those things where you can screw up really, really bad. And I think any revenue manager will let you know the, the science that goes into this. So, you know, do the testing, do the research, and you kind of kind of see what you can do to get to a more more transpricing model. So that's pretty much what the research says. Uh, Jeremy, anything else that that you've experienced? Have you seen a lot more hidden fees as your guys are planning any vacations or whatnot? From time to time, I mean, you know, we always get the resort fee at the end, and that's always a sometimes a strong pill to swallow. But you know, we're, that's where we're at, and we got to pay it. Until they, until hotels more or less start being a little more transparent with that pricing. Yeah. Yeah. We're the same way. You know, we, we see it a lot. We've been trying to figure out a way to maybe go do a little ski vacation or something like that to kind of get away, which our kids have never been skiing. So we want to try that. But looking at the pricing, it makes it hard to decide where you want to stay because you can't just look at two places and say, okay, I'll, I'll choose this one. There's a million different variables that go into it. And if you can break some of those barriers down, I think as a hotelier, it should do well for you. Again, ABT, always be testing. So, But that's what the that's what the data suggests. I would say if, if you're interested in this, and, and hopefully you are, go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, episode 251. We also have a link to the actual data and to the infographic that you can use and share. If anything, I say it's a great discussion point when you're having your next revenue management meeting your next strategy meeting is to kind of start talking about this and see if it's something that could be beneficial to your property. It's definitely going to be a bit beneficial to your guest, how you convert that into actual, you know, booking processes will really be determined. So, but yeah, it's a relatively quick episode today. Uh, Hopefully it was helpful for you. Uh, Like I said, if you want to find more, go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and everything that you need is right there. That's what we got. Jeremy, anything that you wanted to share or would you like to share where you guys are thinking about going on your next vacation and what you have to watch out for? Oh boy. I will share a resolution that I guess Ooh. it's not really a resolution, but it is a goal. Now that when you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, um, I do have a goal for the year and it's mainly to get myself out more and take more 
pictures. Um, I got a new camera over the Christmas break. And so my goal is to take as many pictures as possible um, of family and just whatnot. Just have my camera with me at all times, essentially. I forgot that you are really into uh, photography, aren't you? Yeah, um, a little bit. I dabble. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What kind of camera did you get? Um, I got a used Sony A6000 that I'm really excited about. Um, it's I, if whoever, any camera people out there, um, it's a mirrorless camera, so it's a little bit smaller than your typical DSLR. And I was really excited to get something that was a little more, a little tinier to hold. It's really interesting. I had to, I traded in an older camera, and so I got this. I'm really excited about it. I was going to ask you if it was mirrorless. Do you, do you, do you like the, the photo quality of, going that route versus DSLR? Um, it looks a little bit better than the DSLR. The DSLR I had was more of kind of like the, uh, kind of like a beginner's DSLR, even though the lens I had was okay. Um, and Mm -hmm. I know the Sony a 6,000 is kind of like that too for mirrorless kind of beginner route or whatever, but yeah, I've really liked it. It's, it's fast and the lens is fantastic. Um, so I'm excited so far. So are the DSLR lenses and mirrorless lenses, are they interchangeable at all? Or do you have to kind of start from scratch? I had to start from scratch. Um, I've, that's actually a good question. I'm not entirely sure um, if the mount are any different based on whether it's DSLR or mirrorless. Uh, but I mean, I got an entirely new camera and so I did have to get all new everything. Gotcha. And it was a different brand too. Yeah, different brand. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, well, that's awesome. That's a, that's a really good resolution and kind of like, you know, skill to learn. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sure all the the family will appreciate the, the Christmas calendars and all the other stuff that you can start doing. (laughs) Oh, my, my wife is already sick of it. Me putting the camera (laughs) out at everybody. That's funny. (laughs) But at least, you know, it, it, there's something to be said for a great piece of photography from a decent camera compared to something you get with a, just an iPhone. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So it has a different feel to it. Yep. Uh, well, nice. That, that's a good resolution. Uh, I haven't figured out what my, my new thing that I need to learn is going to be. I'm still working on that, but hopefully by next podcast, I'll have something figured out for myself. should learn a new language. I really should. I've, I've wanted to do that. My daughter's taking Spanish three, so I feel like she could kind of help me there a little bit, but I don't know. That, that seems like a tall order. You can do it. Just download Duolingo yeah. and this is yeah. not a Duolingo sponsorship, but <laughs> that's what I've used in the past and it's been okay. What language did you learn? I was going for Spanish. Yeah. Got I was in a very strong, like watching Narcos on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that show. Yeah. And, and I was like, I have to learn Spanish now. And I stopped after like a few months after I finished yeah. this, the series. Yeah. I need to. A- I would like to learn a language, but I feel like it's a, it's a big, a big commitment. And then if I learned it, I'd have to make sure that you're learning it too, because I would have no one to speak Spanish with. Because <laughs> so, I was like, yeah, what was the point? I'll do it. So, yeah. Well, ne- our next podcast will be in Spanish. <laughs> in Spanish. Yeah. That's we'll great. We're breaking down barriers and. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. now we're going international. I love it. So, well, cool. Well, hey, if you have an idea for a, a resolution that I can do or another language that I should learn and, you know, any, any tips for, for Narcos shows for uh, Jeremy, let us know. 
But all right, well, great. Well, hey, you, like I said, you can find us at travelboommarketing.com. You can find us on LinkedIn at company slash travelboommarketing. And hopefully we'll hear back, we'll, you'll hear us again on the radio very soon. Uh, but until then, best of luck hoteling and have a wonderful 2024. Travel Boom is out. Uh-huh.